we just wrapped up, and this isn't what this podcast is about, but we just wrapped up possibly the greatest weekend of football that we've ever seen, as well as the greatest football playoff game that we've ever seen. Um, if you hadn't seen it and you're primarily basketball, I feel confident in telling you that you missed out. Truthfully, you missed out. We're going to move on, though. No time will be spent on those games. I just wanted to mention it before we get started. Welcome back to another episode of No Bucks Given, another podcast under this name but in less than a month it will be changed keep an eye out for that we will be dropping hints and trailers up until leading this week though we are still on audio on no bucks given we've got a couple of topics that we're going to talk about including the controversial grayson allen foul on alex caruso a g league update with a special guest and all information regarding Jeremy Grant's trade status because it's a biggie. Before we do that, though, let me introduce the official co-host of No Bucks Given. It's Nick Andre, the hardest working man on Twitter. That's at Nick Andre, ATR on Twitter. Sir, I understand you are in protocols, but how are you? I am great, man. Um, you know what's so crazy about this whole situation? Like, it sucks. Well, I technically don't know if I'm positive yet. I take my test within the next few days, but... It's almost like, you know, it's almost like a good thing and a bad thing because now it's like, you know, you get to relax. Like yesterday, I was watching basketball literally all day. And even today, I've been doing the same thing. So right. even though it sucks that, you know, I might or might not have COVID, but the good thing is I've spent the majority of my time watching hoops and a little bit of football as well. The, um, the Buccaneers lost, so I'm happy. Yeah, we're smoking that Tom Brady pack tonight, baby. Yeah. I, I don't care about no other games. And it's great that you were watching basketball because we had some great games this week and weekend as well. We're going to start, though, with some unfortunate news today. I am sure all of you are aware of the Grayson Allen situation. We're going to dissect it entirely here. I am a self-proclaimed Bucks fan. I've been watching for over a decade, so I was there for the bad times as well as the very, very recent good times. But I'll give you my perspective on what happened. Dre will give you his perspective on what happened. And hopefully we can find something reasonable to say about this. So I'm going to first start by looking at the play that we have here. I've got it pulled up on Twitter. And it's on the screen for Dre. It's a fast break. Grayson goes up with his left hand, hits Caruso's arm, hits him with the right hand after that, and... Caruso just hits the ground hard as shit, like really hard. The injury didn't end up happening to his hip, but I was really worried about a hip pointer injury there because he lands right on it. You see football players land like that sometimes. I'm going to pull it up for Dre here. Here is a replay of the foul. So you see he hits him in the air. He's going for the ball. He's looking at the ball the entire time, but it really here's a good look at it. Right arm, and then the right arm swings around to hit him again, and he falls real hard on his hip there. Like I was saying, really worried about a hip injury there. Fortunately, that didn't end up happening, but other stuff did. Before we talk about what ended up happening, Dre, real quick, do you, did you see that play before Twitter went crazy about it? Because I didn't see it live. I did. I was, I was actually watching a game um, on Friday night, and I did see the play live. What do you think about it? Um, initially, initially when it first happened, I didn't look at it as a bad play. I just looked at Grayson Allen just trying to get a stop. You know, Cruz was obviously in the air. Obviously, you know, looking at the situation, you know, it's, it's very dangerous, to say the least, because, you know, right. a player could get injured, which which Caruso did exactly get injured. But 
I never really looked at it as an uh, intentional play. Like I don't, I don't believe Grayson Allen intentionally tried to actually hurt Chris. Right. I just think he was trying to get a stop. But then again, it's like you know, you can kind of understand why social media is going berserk on the situation, considering that Grayson Allen's really had this this right. um, image as kind of a dirty player since you know since his college days, honestly. And even and honestly, I me mean, even throughout the season too, because I think it was I can't remember how, like. If it was like a week ago or maybe a few About games a week ago, ago but, the Morant thing, yeah. Yeah, the Morant thing, you know, when Morant was driving to the basket. And even there was a play, um, I actually saw it on Twitter this morning. I, I can't remember who exactly they were playing, but um somebody um Grace Allen was guarding one of the players. I can't remember the exact player, but as the player was driving to the basket, like you could kind of see Morant just like kind of kick him. Like it, it didn't look too obvious, but if you pay attention, it does look like that. So it's just an unfortunate situation because Grayson Allen's had a pretty good season, in my opinion, for Milwaukee, right. really finding his own out there with the uh, defending champs. But, you know, it just it just sucks for him just because, you know, I don't I don't think that play wasn't intentional. I don't think that he right. had any intention to actually hurt him. But looking at his history, you know, I, I like I guess you can kind of understand why everybody's going crazy and are, and are upset about the situation. So it ended up being called a flagrant two upon review and Grayson Allen was ejected from the game Friday night in Chicago. The referees stated that it wasn't the initial hit or the fall by Caruso that led to the flagrant two. It was the second arm that hit him again, again, aiming for the ball, but it was unnecessary in that you know, is the definition of flagrant is an unnecessary contact. And I would say it was excessive too. He was tossed. Okay. But it's important to note that it was because of that second hit on Caruso, not the entire foul being perceived as a flagrant two. Caruso ended up finishing the game playing fine. But then the day after Woj tweeted that he is going to need surgery on a fractured right, right wrist, bit of a tongue twister. The issue is, when he fell, he tried to land with his hands. Everyone tries to break their home with the hands, and that's how a lot of broken wrists happen. So there's a fractured right wrist and will likely need surgery. The current timetable is six to eight weeks, and his tweet mentions that it's occurred after a fall following a flagrant foul from Grayson Allen. This is when Twitter started going a little bit crazy, I think, on the Bucks. So it was Bucks versus Bulls on Twitter. It often is this just because it's crosstown rivalries. But... Um, what set off everything was the morning before the injury news was released, the Bucks do a scheduled tweet every morning when they have an afternoon game, early afternoon, noon, 1, 2 p.m., whatever. And they tweet, you know, good morning. They have a game. They have a player eating a donut. I've seen dozens and dozens of this. It happened that the scheduled tweet on Saturday morning was of Grayson Allen eating a donut, and everyone kind of freaked out that Milwaukee was teasing or poking at the uh, at the foul. And but I want to say, um, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was like the official Bulls Twitter account or if it was just like you know another another Bulls fan page or whatever. But it looked like somebody had replied to it, and then the Bucks Twitter like just like immediately blocked them, which was crazy. It was NBC Bulls. Every NBC account for teams just sucks. NBC Warriors is notorious for being one of the worst Twitter accounts out there in the NBA basketball space. And I think the Bucks did end up deleting that tweet just because, you know, it obviously looked bad and the Caruso injury had come out. I can tell you guys that they posted those videos literally every before every single game, and they're all scheduled tweets. That was not a malicious thing. But the Bucks versus Bulls on Twitter was the thing. And before we go on to explain a little bit more about the situation, let me just say that I don't care about the Bulls fandom. I really don't give a shit. 
if they want to act poorly about this, fine. They're not my fandom. I do not care how you act about a situation. But Bulls fans, I found, I was really disappointed in Bucks fans. I was really disappointed in Bucks fans in this situation. I don't think it was a dirty play. I don't think it was necessarily a flagrant two. And I am depressed that Caruso is injured. I love Caruso. He was and probably still will, if he comes back with the vengeance, make a, a all-defensive team. He's one of the defensive linchpins on fact. the perimeter for Chicago. I am so upset that he is going to miss six to eight weekends for a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of issues with their roster. But Bucks fans are taking it as if he did nothing wrong. Grayson made a reckless play and a guy got injured. You have to take accountability for that and you have to be objective about that. I don't think he should be kicked out of the league. I don't think he's suspended for the rest of the season, but I don't think he did nothing wrong. And I think you just have to acknowledge that. It sucks that it happened and you have to acknowledge that it could have happened if he wasn't as reckless with the foul. But Bucks fans are doing all this shit, just trolling Bulls fans. I've even seen a couple Bucks fans make fun of the Crusoe injury. It's really nasty, nasty stuff. It's and insane. it's not it's not indicative of the entire Bucks fandom. But you do see this with teams with success. The Warriors, when they had their dynasty, the Miami Heat, when they got good, their, their Twitters just become terrible. I think it's because a lot of average, annoying people from those cities just want to get part of the success. So they become a part of that Twitter. And because, you know, they're usually popular and white or whatever, they have a following and people follow them on social media, specifically Twitter. But they're always just annoying. They have terrible takes. They don't care about, you know, the integrity of the game. And that's what you're seeing with Buck's Twitter right now. So I wanted to put that out there that really fucking disappointed with Buck's Twitter the past couple of days. A lot of other people are really upset about the the Caruso injury. You can be both upset about the Caruso injury and not think that Grayson was dirty. There, it's possible to do both of those, and I implore you to do that as opposed to just pretending that Grayson did nothing wrong or that the injury doesn't matter. Let's move on, though. Caruso had some comments after the game, and there were no indications that he was hurt, so he must have had an MRI. But here are Caruso's comments after the game. Dude just grabbed me out of the air kind of bullshit. That's true. Caruso didn't say it was flat out dirty or anything like that. He said it was kind of bullshit. And I agree. I think the foul was kind of bullshit. Not full on bullshit or a complete or a complete dirty play. But it was kind of bullshit. And that's true. Here are Grayson's comments on the play the day after through a message board. Um, I didn't even see this. Yeah. Um. He reached out to Alex on Saturday morning to apologize. So even before that the injury news came out, he he reached out to apologize to Alex. He then said it was incidental, but a serious fall happened. Have to understand and move on. Also to this point, someone was asking why he did not. So someone asked Caruso if he had che- if Grayson Allen had checked on him after the injury, and he said no. People were really pretty pissed that Grayson Allen didn't check on Caruso. But here's what he said. I stood at half court watching till he got up to, to see if he was okay. Then when I was back by our bench, a teammate made a joke and I laughed. He wasn't laughing at the foul. On video, it does look like he's laughing on the bench. And that's really sucks because people think that he's laughing about the foul. Either you think that Grayson Allen is one of the monsters in the game and one of the worst people ever to play a game of basketball, or a teammate made a joke and he laughed at it. Last thing here, it was very unfortunate how it played out. I jumped to block it with my left, and as I'm spitting, you'll see that he is spitting himself. He's not in control in the air. I went to grab the ball with my right hand, not throw him down. It was a really hard fall, and I'm glad he's okay. 
if I could do the play over again, knowing he'd fall like that, I wouldn't make the play. So he apologized for it. And he also states that, you know, if he, you know, he wouldn't have done it like that if he knew it was going to happen. I don't think that, you know, purges him of his sins, but at least he acknowledged that that happened and that those things. Do you have any thoughts on those comments? Do you think that they're bullshit or are you accepting of those comments at all, Dre? I'll make sense to me. Um, it's, it's tough, though, honestly, just because. Like, the only reason why I believe it's tough is because at the end of the day, you know, Caruso ended up having to be injured by this, and now he's missing significant time. It really sucks because he just initially came back into the Bulls lineup, and now the Bulls, who are right. you know, basically depleted with injuries now, they lost Levine, they lost Lonzo, they lost Derrick Jones, they lost Patrick Williams. John they lost, Yeah, now they now they lost Caruso. I mean, they still do have guys like DeMar DeRozan, um, Nikola Vucevic, Io DeSumo. I've just been playing great, by the way. Oh yeah, definitely, especially defensively, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But for this for this Bulls team to have began to have began the season on such a tear, you know, on both ends right. of the floor, and now just to be hit with this injury bug, like the way the way that they have, you know, it, it just sucks for them. But honestly, I I did initially say that um, that Grayson Allen did need to get suspended just because you know the play is kind of. Um, even even though even though I even though I don't believe that he did do it intentionally, like you know, just right. like a dirty, like just like a, a a like a play like that, I just feel like you know you have to face like some consequence. So I'm not sure. mad at his um, at his um, suspension, right. but I I did initially tweet this like yesterday. I was like, you know, now looking at the situation, like like right after um, Crusoe's um, injury news that came out, I was like, Grayson Allen just might be he might end up becoming like the most hated player in the NBA just because of that situation. We can see it. Obviously, he's had a history of stuff in college, but there hasn't been anything in the NBA. And I could see him becoming, you know, super hated. You know, Tim Duncan had Bruce Brown. People hated Bruce Brown. He used to beat the shit out of oh, yeah. the paint and stuff. So that type of stuff will happen on contenders. But yes, you alluded to it. Woj tweeted um, earlier today, the NBA is suspending Milwaukee's Grayson Allen for one game over the flagrant two foul on Chicago's Alex Caruso that caused a fra- fractured wrist. Here's the important note that Woj puts in a follow-up tweet. It is unlikely that there would have been a suspension without Caruso's fractured wrist, but the NBA can and did take into consideration an injury to the offended player. So basically he's noting that if Caruso hadn't got hurt, nothing would have happened to Grayson Allen. He wouldn't have been suspended. The flagrant might have been downgraded to a flagrant one, stuff like that. I personally understand why, you know, he got injured, Caruso did, and you really hate to see that in six to eight weeks, you suspend him for a game and you cost him some money. Here's the Milwaukee Bucks reaction to the suspension from also earlier today. We disagree with the suspension. We support Grayson and look forward to him joining our team for Friday's game versus New York. You have to do this if you're the team. You have to back your player. You've seen guys like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday come out with statements like, we know he didn't try to do that, but... It's strange that, you know, it, it, this happened. But the Bucks basically said they disagreed with it. I think they should have just stayed out with it, accepted it, and move on. Let, keep it quiet. But let's also go to Mark Stein's comments. He is a reporter for the New York Times. Obviously, I'm sure you know that. Big national mm-hmm. writer. Basically was Woj before Woj. Woj kind of forced him out at ESPN. Then he joined the New York Times. He wrote that uh, it should have been a three-game suspension for Allen. I don't really uh, know why he thinks that. There's no precedent for a three-game suspension. I honestly said two. 
Yeah. So I was kind of in between. And um, one thing that he points out was contrary to what's often said, Allen does not have an extensive history of NBA violations. He has, there's like a five minute compilation of quote unquote dirty things that he did in college, but this was uh, Grayson Allen's first flagrant foul in the NBA. He's been in the league three, four years. This is the first time he's gotten a flagrant. Okay. So he doesn't have a history in the NBA and the NBA cannot punish him based off stuff that he did in college, as opposed to in the professional NBA. He also says, unlike Jokic and Morris, Caruso did nothing to instigate contact. So you'll remember Nikola Jokic just decked Markeith Morris after uh, getting hit in the ribs from Markeith. And Markeith still has not played a game, by the way. That's longer than six to eight weeks. Nikola Jokic got a one-game suspension. I think Jokic's hit was a lot harder than Grayson's and a lot more intentful to hurt somebody. But truth to Mark Stein, Caruso uh, Caruso didn't instigate contact. Mor Morris did instigate contact in that play against Jokic. So one game suspension for Grayson Allen. I hope that we can put it all behind us. I hope Caruso comes back better than ever in six to eight weeks and that we never have to worry about Grayson Allen being dangerous again. Just for one final point, I'm playing on the screen here for Dre. It's the foul that Jalen Suggs sustained the same night. Yep, um, Taylor Horn Tucker. Taylor Horn Tucker, but also I'm going to pause it right here for you. You see right there LeBron's hands on him? Mm-hmm. So it's actually LeBron that throws him off balance. While THT is going for the ball, LeBron pushes him in the midsection, and he basically flips. I, I don't think Talon Hurton Tuggers was, was a bad foul. Like Grayson's wasn't necessarily that bad. I think LeBron two hand pushing a guy in the air and him falling like that is a flagrant too. I think that's an ejection. And I think that should have happened. Now, kind of a bad look too for LeBron, especially considering right. after what happened in, uh, in Detroit, uh, beef stew. Right now. The point is Grayson Allen wouldn't have gotten suspended if Caruso didn't get hurt. Jalen Suggs is fine. Thankfully, he falls very hard, but thankfully Jalen Suggs is fine. He actually had a great game today, I believe, and nothing happened. They haven't even talked about looking at LeBron because he didn't get uh, he didn't get the foul. Taylor Horton Tucker got a flagrant one on that thing. What I'm saying is this happens a lot. This was not a rarity caused by Grayson Allen, and while he deserved the flagrant two and maybe even the suspension, it happens quite a bit. It was not extra, I don't think. Let's move on from this, though. Do you have any final thoughts on Grayson Allen, Dre? Um, just a message for all the fucking weirdos out there. Don't start sending death threats and shit to people just because yeah. something happens on the basketball court, honestly. But besides yeah. that, besides that, I'm good. Bulls fans have already started writing fan fiction. Their next game against the Bucks is on March 4th, and they're like, Grayson Allen, we're waiting for you. If the Heat didn't do shit, if Miami didn't do shit, you're not doing shit, okay? And I know Chicago can be, you know, a place that you do not want to fuck around. I fully understand oh, that. Yeah, I sincerely doubt that anyone making threats online is about that shit. All right. Chicago people, they move in silence. If I if I know that shit, which I don't necessarily, I don't want to front. But I don't think they're on Twitter like, watch out for March 4th when you, you're in fucking Chicago. Nothing's going to happen. Okay, stop writing this fan fiction. We're going to move on, and we're going back to the trade season, baby. It is trade season. I am so ready to talk about trades for the entirety of this month. Just to give you guys a little bit of background, February 10th, a Thursday, is the trade deadline, and shit is heating up. 
essentially every episode leading up to the trade deadline is going to involve trades to some level. But today we are going to do a full breakdown on Jeremy Grant, his trade value, his trade rumors, and his trade potential destinations. Let's first go with where Jeremy Grant is, how he got there, and who he is as a player, I guess. Jeremy Grant started off in OKC as a stretch four, three and D four, essentially. Um, the Do we want to go um, OKC or Philly? Oh, yeah, it was the process Philly at first. Then he moved over to OKC. The defense was always there as a lanky 3-4 forward prototype. But in OKC, when he was playing a limited role, he started showing a little bit more offensive game, namely being able to hit the three-point shot. After they traded Paul George to the Los Angeles Clippers after they got Kawhi Leonard two years ago, they also sent Russell Westbrook to Houston. And in those series of moves, they sent Jeremy Grant to uh, to Denver for a first-round pick. Denver was an up-and-coming team that had a bunch of players but could use a rangey four like that on their team. Grant had a mini breakout season, I would say, but the breakout really came in the playoffs when they lost to the Lakers in the bubble. He was dropping 20, 30-point games, playing incredible defense, scoring when he needed to, um, and basically earned himself a contract. In that offseason, this was not this past offseason, but the offseason before that, was the negotiation. Essentially what happened was the Detroit Pistons offered him four years, 80 million, and he decided to take it. The Denver Nuggets did match it. They said they would match it, but Jeremy Grant preferred the Detroit Pistons for a number of reasons. One of them was that he could be a number one option. In Denver, the the ball went to Nikola Jokic first, Jamal Murray second, and honestly, Michael Porter Jr. third before Jeremy. He didn't want to be a fourth option on a team, especially in his youth, no matter the price point. Now, he could go to Detroit, be the number one option, and join the teams or the leagues, the NBA's only duo head coach, general manager that are black. Very important for Jeremy Grant, who really values that stuff, I think. So that's why he chose to be in Detroit. Last season, I'd say statistically, he had an all star worthy season over 20 points bunch of rebounds, assists here and there, and still playing decent defense. He also upped his scoring while maintaining good efficiency. It wasn't elite efficiency, but it was better efficiency than anyone expected. Like he is, last year was a better player than anyone thought Jeremy Grant was, I think. And I thought that Detroit would view him as untouchable, I guess. But things have changed. The Pistons got the number one pick overall last year. They got Cade Cunningham. They've got Sadiq Bey. They've got Beef Stew. They've got Kelly Olynyk. They've got Killian Hayes. They've got a ton of players that are going to need minutes. Amadou Diallo is another wing that needs minutes. And you could keep Jeremy Grant. Hell, he's a great player. You'd be, you know, well-served to keep a player like that on a starting lineup. But if you can cash in right now as you are a up-and-coming team that could, you know, double, triple their trade assets, you have to. You have to. The important part is that, It has to be what Jeremy wants as well. This was a guy that chose to go to Detroit. Not a lot of people choose to go to Detroit in the NBA. He chose to go there, and he chose to go there because of the options, scoring-wise, and because of the the, uh, lineage in the head coaching and general manager spot. You can't just send him somewhere. That's going to give you a bad taste. But here are a couple of things. First, 
This is apparently how teams found out he was available. And I am going to be taking a lot, not necessarily taking, but quoting a lot from Jake Fisher, a reporter for Bleach Report, did an article on all things Jeremy Grant. I'll have the link in the show notes so you guys can check it out. I've got a lot of the information from this, and I pulled stuff from other ways. But this is what Jake Fisher says is apparently how teams found out that Jeremy Grant was available. The Pistons had a package of Grant, Sadiq Bay, Kelly Olynyk, and a first-round pick that was not met with Philadelphia's brass with enthusiasm for Ben Simmons. Apparently, the report that Philly didn't want that offer for Ben Simmons uh, announced to the rest of the league that Jeremy Grant was available. Now, it's a bidding war. It's a full-on bidding war. There's apparently a dozen potential suitors. More than a third of the league is calling about Jeremy Grant, and sources say that Detroit is now asking for two first-round picks or one first-round pick and a high-upside player. I think he's worth that easily, and I think if you have the resources to go and get him like that, you may as well. A lot of the article talks about comparing him to Aaron Gordon, who was dealt last year by the Orlando Magic. They were asking for two picks and a high-upside player. They ended up getting a solid veteran in Gary Harris, an upside player in R.J. Hampton, and a 2025 first from the uh, Denver Nuggets for Aaron Gordon. And it's worked out great for both teams. I think Jeremy Grant is better than Gordon, but I do understand the comparisons. Let's take a look at these people, okay? Before we do, actually, one last thing, and I'm going to ask Dre for your thoughts on this, but this is the report coming out on Jeremy Grant. He has little interest in joining a team where he doesn't feature as a primary offensive option. We covered that that's why he went to Detroit, so he could be one. And he wants to sign an extension in the ballpark of four years, $112 million, which is a lot of fucking money. It is like $27 million, I want to say, a year. A lot of money. And any deal that trades for him is going to have to have an extension on the offer, on, on the table for him. Aaron Gordon, when it was reported last year that he would be traded, the reports were he wouldn't go anywhere that wasn't also going to offer him an extension. It was about $19 million a year, Aaron Gordon's extension. Grant was looking for more. And I don't I don't, you know, fault him for it. What do you think about this report? Do you I mean there's nothing that is indicated that Jeremy Grant himself said this? Someone close or someone part of his camp may have said it, but Jeremy Grant himself has not said this. But if this is true, what do you think about it, Jeremy? It's a, it's a difficult situation for me because from an individual standpoint, you understand where um, where Jeremy Grant is coming from. You know, he made the transition from being a role player who had a lot of who, who had who had tremendous value in Denver and OKC to now going to Detroit, where a team is in rebuild mode. You know, they have a lot of great young talent. But now you are basically the number one option. I know people may say Kate is. People may say other guys are like Sadiq Bay and other. But uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Grant is the primary option in Detroit right now. You know, he's averaging around 20, 21 points a game this year. He averaged around 22 points a game last year. So you can understand from the in- individual standpoint of being the number one guy and having the team revolve around you. So I definitely understand that. But then again, it sucks also because – is Jeremy is Jeremy Grant really the direction that Detroit is practically going? Right. You know, especially you know when they got a guy like Kate Cunningham with the number one pick. So that's another situation as well that you have to look at is that Kate wasn't the number one pick for uh, for like for no for no reason at all. Excuse me. Um, 
you know, in my opinion, the Pistons are probably going to want to look to build around him and possibly make him the primary primary option for the team. So, but I mean, either way, honestly, I could see, I could see Grant even still being with a contender, still having a large role. Like if he, if he went right. to Philly, he would have a pretty big role. If he went mm-hmm. to um, Chicago, in my opinion, he would be probably the third or fourth option. Um, Utah, Utah, um, even maybe. I don't know about New York. Maybe, maybe New York. I'm not sure, but um, honestly, like, there's a lot of teams that could utilize Jeremy Grant to an extent. Honestly, you can even say Denver could. Honestly, right. at this point, honestly, like, you know, I know uh, with Michael Porter Jr. out, and we don't know the timetable for Jamal Murray, um, Jamal Murray's return. But you know, honestly, like, honestly, like, there, there's a lot of contending teams right now that could really utilize. Jeremy Grant and could really use him to an extent where uh, to where he could, you know, keep his averages around 20 to 21 points a game. So I'm just hoping that, you know, whatever situation comes about is the right decision for Jeremy Grant to where he can compete for a championship and then also continue to thrive as a, as an individual all-star talent. Because remember last year, last year he could have been in, um, in the candidate for a most approved player. Right. And even this year, in my opinion, he's elevated his game. So, I just hope the right situation comes for uh, Jeremy Grant as the um, trade deadline comes around. Yeah, he was looking solid for the Pistons, but he has missed a great deal of the season with an injury. They have recently assigned him to the Motor City Cruise, their G League affiliate, to begin rehabbing and re-entering the lineup pretty soon. It's interesting. Real quick, the Nuggets traded for Aaron Gordon to be a Jeremy Grant replacement. They're not going to trade for Grant now. I actually think that fit could work, but they just don't have the picks to make it work, I think, at this point, unless they put Michael Porter Jr. in that trade, which I don't think the Pistons would do. I don't think the Nuggets would do, honestly. I just don't see that happening. But there are a lot of teams interested in Jeremy Grant. He is expected to, with Ben Simmons potentially staying in Philly over the trade deadline, Jeremy Grant is probably the best player on the market, I think, pretty easily, too. You know, I don't I think he's better than Christian Wood, John Collins, Rashawn Holmes, Miles Turner, all the big guys on the market. Obviously, if you want a big thing, go after them instead of Jeremy Grant. Sabonis is close, but I would value Jeremy Grant's two-way play over Sabonis's incredible offense. Mm-hmm. I think Sabonis is the closest player, though. That's that's really true. Like I said, there's around a dozen potential suitors. There are a few here that have been specifically linked, and we're going to talk about them specifically. The potential suitors are the Lakers, Trailblazers, Knicks, Jazz, Wizards, Celtics, Pacers, Timberwolves, and Kings. And I am going to add the Bulls on there because, like we mentioned in the earlier segment, they are dealing with injuries right now, and they could use an upgrade at the four anyways. We're going to talk about that in a second. The only one that I have a specific offer for here is the Lakers. The Lakers reportedly offered... THT and their 2027 first round pick. First, I didn't know they could trade their 2027 first round pick. That's actually a pretty valuable trade asset that I didn't think the Lakers had an asset to. Who knows what they're going to be like in 2027? LeBron is going to be, what's that, five years from now, LeBron is going to be nearly 40 past 40 he's not going to be in the league anthony davis might not be on the lakers at that point maybe they're terrible maybe it's a brooklyn Nets situation where you can get that pick if you can get that pick without giving up a guy i wouldn't do tht in that pick for jeremy grant that's just me i i really don't see it whatsoever it's going to be a bidding war and i can think of several teams that would have a better offer than that but if they can use that pick to get a good player they they could and i think if a team could get that pick 
for a player that they don't want to have anymore, they should absolutely do it because that pick could become very valuable. Let is move on to the Lakers. So, I mean, the Lakers. Yeah, let me let me just yeah. say something about yeah, that on that Lakers trade real quick. Please. Um, Please. Honestly, the Lakers can really get the fuck out of here with that. I mean, I right. get it. Like, you know, Taylor Horn Tucker has not played his best, you know, so he really doesn't. Honestly, I mean, besides LeBron, honestly, like, there's really nobody else in the Lakers that really has, like, a lot of high value. Pro- well, probably besides LeBron and uh, Malik Mock, in my opinion. Yeah. But Taylor Horn Tucker going to Detroit for Jeremy Grant, it's just it's just not a win-win situation for both teams, in my opinion. So, right. If I'm if I'm the Pistons, I'm definitely saying no in a heartbeat, which I'm sure that they definitely are. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just insane. The Lakers are active out there. They offered two second rounders for Cam Reddish before he um, got traded to the Hawks. Honestly, THT in that first probably gets you Cam Reddish if that's who you really wanted. I think they're going to package that for some of the deadline. They're desperate and they can't really miss the playoffs this year. So I would keep an eye out for that. But like you said, it's not going to happen. The fit is cool. Jeremy Grant can fit anywhere. I think that's the point. That's why he's so valuable. But it's just not going to happen for the Lakers. So let's look at the other teams, right? Let's go with the Trailblazers next. Another team that not a lot of trade assets, but they can send out guys like Nasir Little, Anthony Simons. I'm sure so they have some picks to their disposal. I don't think Detroit would value CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, or Yusuf Nurkic. But if you rerouted one of those guys to a playoff contender and got another first-round pick that you could throw in the offer for Jeremy Grant, then that becomes really interesting. Say you send C.J. McCollum to, like, the Kings for a first-round pick or something, and then you send two firsts and Anthony Simons for Jeremy Grant. That's not the worst trade offer I've ever seen. I could see it happening. What do you think about that, Dre, and what do you think about his potential fit in Portland? So honestly, if I'm Portland, I am making that trade in a heartbeat. Oh, honestly, yeah. um, this year Little has has had great showings this year. You know, considering the port, considering how Portland's had a lot of injury history this year, um, this year Little has had great showings. Anthony Simons has been just tremendous for them, especially yeah. like you know with the loss of Dame and then CJ without also with the long collapse. So they're obviously like even though Portland is not really that good, I mean they they do have a few pieces that have a lot of value. So. If I'm able to make that trade for Jeremy Grant, obviously this year is a is a wash in my opinion. They're not going to make the playoffs, but building for the future, it gives it gives a lot of optimism bringing in bringing in a guy like Jeremy Grant because now now you now now you have a great two way player to play alongside Damon CJ, and now you may have a better chance of possibly like being more of a playoff contender. And if you can keep Rocco in that deal. Um... A wing formation of Rocco and Jeremy Grant is actually pretty formidable on defense. Neither of those dudes are stoppers. Like, neither of them are Macau Bridges or Drew Holiday type of dudes. But they're great defenders. They're lanky. And putting them out there at the same time would be pretty effective, in my opinion. I love the fit in, in Portland. Like we said, Jeremy fits everywhere. Again, though, I just don't think they have the trade assets to make the deal. We expect a full-on bidding war for Jeremy Grant, which means that teams with trade assets are going to get involved. One of them could be the Knicks, who have been reportedly interested in Jeremy Grant. I'm not sure if that means they're done with Julius Randle. I'm not sure if that means they wouldn't plan on starting Cam Reddish. But I do think that a number of people would be involved in the deal. They do have young people. Deuce McBride, who uh, the Hawks asked for in the Cam Reddish trade, they said no is worth giving up for Jeremy Grant. Same with uh, Grimes, Quentin Grimes. Well, like, um, how about 
How about quickly? You think you, you think he would be in that conversation? They're not giving up quickly. I can tell you right here, right now, the Knicks aren't giving up quickly. Unless they were after a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, Darren Fox, or like an elite point guard, DeJunte Murray or something, they're not going to give up quickly, at least from what I'm seeing from the Knicks. Obviously, I don't have connections in the Knicks front office, but I, ser- I seriously doubt that they would do that. I could see them throwing in like a Mitch Robinson, though. And that's a bit redundant with Beef Stew out there, but Mitch has shown more on the defensive end than than Isaiah Stewart. Stewart's a great energy guy. He may very well end up being a, a serious defender in this league who can rim run with the best of them. But Mitch Robinson, when he's healthy, is just a legit defender. And maybe the maybe the the Pistons want that. Let's move on from the Knicks, though, because. I just don't think they can do it. They just gave up a first round pick for Cam. I don't I don't think they're going to trade more first round picks in a deal. So let's go to one of my favorite fits in the Utah Jazz. I don't think Jeremy Grant would super appreciate being traded from the only team in the league with a black GM and black head coach to a team uh, that's like notably racist. Like John Stockton is just a full on racist now. And he's, probably the best player in jazz history. If not, it's Carl Malone, who's a terrible person himself. And the coaching staff is white. The management is white. Dwayne Wade is involved with the Utah Jazz. That's probably the the best example of black excellence that you have in the Utah Jazz organization that's not on the court. Of course, they have fantastic players. But I do think the fit is there. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jeremy Grant, and Rudy Gobert can win a championship. It's not a guaranteed championship, but I think you can win a championship. The issue with the Jazz is the same with other contenders. They don't have a ton to offer. They can offer picks. They can offer Jared Butler, but they don't have any other young guys. You have to probably include Joe Ingles' contract in there, which they can probably flip at the deadline or buy him out for a contender, but they don't care about Joe Ingles. So I don't. I just don't see the trade happening. But it is my one of my favorite fits. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I'm not mad at it. Um, I think. I think. Um, just, just. I mean, just Jeremy Grant's ability because I've, I've honestly been on record saying that Utah is really lacking like a, a an, like an elite second scorer alongside Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I, I know Jordan. I know guys like Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich can put the ball in the basket, but they're not necessarily elite scorers. Sure. Neither is Grant either, but Grant is definitely like you know twenty twenty one point per game um, average score. So I feel like uh-huh. I feel like that would definitely help alongside Donovan Mitchell's. I don't I'm not sure what Donovan's averaging around like twenty five, maybe twenty six, somewhere around that range. Um, I'm ba- I'm basically speaking off the top of my head, but right. honestly, with Grant, you know, saying with, with his ability, you know, basically I'm I'm basically reiterating, but I feel like he would be he would really be a good fit for um for Utah going forward. Mitch is averaging 25.5 right now. Uh, so, yeah, a decent amount of points. Boyan is probably the most, the purest scorer besides Donnie on there. And he has some explosion games where he just can't miss. But you're right. He's not a number two option. He's more of a three or four. I could see Grant being a number two on there, especially when you have good three, four options like Conley and Boyan out there. I just don't know if the deal happens. Like, if they'll take Jared Butler and two picks, you have to do it. You just have to do it. And I think Utah should go in in this trade deadline with the, the plan of upgrading. Let's move on from the Jazz, though, to a team that actually has a lot of things they can trade and is probably going to be in this um, 
conversation a lot. It's Washington, the Wizards. Real quick, this is from Jake Fisher's article. Again, great. Go check it out. Here's the connection that Grant has with Washington. He is from the D.C. area, and his dad, Harvey, played for the Bullets uh, between 88 and 93 for five years, and then two more years from 96 to 98. The head coach of the Wizards right now, Wes Unsell Jr., coached Jeremy Grant as an assistant with the Denver Nuggets. So they are aware of each other uh, a little bit. There are connections there that could lead Grant to accept a trade because, remember, we, we don't – Jeremy doesn't have a trade exception, but he can be unhappy with the trade, and a team probably won't trade for him if they know he'd be unhappy with the trade. I think Washington, with the connections that he has with that city and the team and the team personnel, could accept the trade there, and he could be an important factor of their team. So before we talk about what they would send out, what do you think about the fit in Washington, Dre? I like it. I honestly like it, but – it's it's tough though at the same time just because Kuzma's having a good season. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Rui has played yet this year or not. Yeah, but, but it's not only been the past couple of weeks. He just recently came back. Okay, so but even but I mean but even before then, you know, Rui has given him great showings. But even though you know you have those two great players on that like you know that three and four position, I would still personally give him up for a guy like Jeremy Grant personally. Right. Yeah, I think so as well. Guys that would be included in the deal is one of Rui and Denny. One of those guys has to be involved for Detroit to be interested. I'd take either. I'd probably prefer Denny just because he's been such a lockdown defender. Like, if they have interest in Ben Simmons, why not get Denny of Dio, who can defend like hell, doesn't have obviously the passing vision of Ben, but he can defend like hell. Well, that's a pretty good IQ, though. Yeah. He doesn't play a lick of offense, just like Ben. So I think you can form him a little bit, especially when he's on the second year of a rookie contract. Rui's on the third year of a rookie contract, so the extension's coming a little bit faster. That probably makes him a little less valuable in their eyes, but I'd take him. He's a good defender and a shooter, and if he becomes anything more than that, fucking hell yeah, you know? One of those guys will get involved. I would imagine a first-round pick, and then the salary matching-wise, it would be Montrez. They're trying to get Trez out there. They have bigs, like you said, Kusa's playing great, Gafford's playing great. Trez just doesn't fit, I don't think, on that team. And is it because of his lack of offense, you may say? I think it's just that they have th- players that fit better. Trez is a great instant offense guy off the bench where you can score, but that's not necessarily what they need. And he's not a defensive stalwart by any means. I just think that you'd rather have Gafford and you'd rather have Kuzma. Those guys have the same amount of contra- or money on their contracts where they could be traded instead of Trez. But if there's one of those three that's getting traded, it's Trez. It just really is. And they don't care about Trez. They might buy him out. They might flip him at the deadline too, but – Detroit would be aiming for the pick and Rui or Denny. They could also include Corey Kispert, who's really come on as of late. He was drafted as a shooter, and it took a while, but the shot is yeah, starting I to might, I, might, I, might, I, might, I might honestly try to um, try to sneak Bertans in there and try to keep Kispert if I'm the Wizards. You could try and, and send uh, Bertans instead of Trez money-wise. I think that would work, and... I think you can put in a first rounder instead of Kispert because I do like Kispert. I think you're right there. I think that they have a lot of options, though. 
besides you know the guy the teams that we've played we've mentioned before this they didn't have many options there was like one trade idea that we could think of the wizards have a ton of dudes that they can trade and they need roster consolidation part of their issues right now is that they have too many players their depth is incredible but they need to they have too many guys yeah they have too many guys that need minutes too many guys that need the ball so i'd really like to see them consolidate that roster, trade two or three solid guys with a pick for a really good guy like Jeremy Grant. If they can't get Jeremy Grant, go after Sabonis or another guy. But I think if you can get Grant, a starting lineup of, assuming the trade that we think goes through, Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Jeremy Grant, and Daniel Gafford is a really good defensive unit that's got some real scores on there too. Brad and Jeremy can fill it up. And Spencer Dinwiddie, when he's feeling like it, can fill it up as well. I think that that roster is really good that if you do that, especially if you're doing consolidation with it. And I wouldn't necessarily see them as a contender, obviously, but as a playoff team. And right now they're not a playoff team. I think the Wizards are a great fit, and I think that they have some of the best pieces to get that deal done. Let's move on from the Wizards, though, to a team in the Celtics who... Oh, man, they're so frustrating to watch. They collapse game after game. Ime Oduka, the new coach in town, has not fixed their issues in the third and fourth quarters. Brad Stevens has already made a bad trade in his tenure when he sent the number 16 pick and Kemba Walker for Al Horford. That number 16 pick ended up being Alperin Shengun, who has been mentioned several times on this podcast, as a great big man. And you know what they need? A fucking big man. But... Shoot, not even that, honestly. I'm honestly I wasn't a fan of the um the PJ Dozier and um Bobo um trade just because I mean how is that gonna benefit you guys this year? You know, so it doesn't the year Bobo right. is obviously obviously I mean even even if Bobo is healthy, I doubt the Celtics are even gonna play him because I mean hell they didn't play Taco Fall. Right. Even though Bobo, in my opinion, is a better player than Taco Fall, but I still would have wouldn't see him getting any minutes. So in my opinion, it's just another dumb trade by Brad Stevens, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, don't think, players, but just I don't think we covered this trade in a previous episode because it happened this week. Just to recap it mm-hmm. real quick, the Nuggets sent Bull Bull and PJ Jozier to the Celtics. The Celtics sent Juancho Hernan Gomez to the Spurs, and the Nuggets also sent a second rounder to the Spurs. And then the, uh, the Spurs sent Bryn Forbes over to the Nuggets. Pretty inconsequential. I will say, though, this is in an article I wrote. Uh, Bryn Forbes has the third most threes made on the Nuggets now, and he's played half the minutes than the, the two guys at the top. He's going to help them out. Like he's going to make some shots, and when you're catching passes from Nikola Jokic, you're going to shoot even better. We saw it last year when he was playing with Giannis, so it's going to help him a little bit. In terms of what the Celtics did, they did nothing um, of value, like you said. It's not going to help them this year, but it does save them luxury money and unfortunately that's the only reason that they did this deal they're not looking to necessarily win they're looking to save money for the owners bull bull may end up being interesting for them he's going to play again this season he did get foot surgery but he's supposed to be back on similar timetable to alex caruso i believe pj dozier is out for the season if pj dozier was healthy i think he would actually help the, oh, yeah, definitely. the Celtics. I mean, the Nuggets wouldn't have traded him if he was healthy. He's well, a great thing with those two guys. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not that they can't contribute. It's all about availability. Yeah. Best, yeah, best asset can be availability. But the Celtics should make a move. The Celtics have been the almost team. Every single deadline, there are more articles out there of deals that they almost did and players that they almost got than there are of deals they actually made and roster changes that were done. Maybe Brad Stevens is more aggressive than his predecessor in Danny Ainge, but I don't necessarily see it. Here's my question with it, though. The 
Celtics have two wings that need the ball and can score, and they are elite wings, both of them. Don't get it twisted. Jason Tatum is a a better player than Jalen Brown, but they're both very, very good players, and they're both very young. Adding a third wing to them would make sense, but they tried to do this with Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward didn't work out when he was healthy, mainly And the only reason it did work out is because he's got passing chops. He doesn't need the ball to score. He can have the ball to distribute. That's not Jeremy Grant's game. Jeremy Grant's game is he gets the ball to score, baby. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And he can play some defense. I think a a wing, a starting wing thing of Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Jeremy Grant is formidable. If you have the right point guard and the right center next to them, you're going to do really good shit in the NBA. I just don't see... Grant being happy being sent to a team where he's the third option. He's the third option on that Celtics team easily. He's got Tatum first and Brown second, and then he's third. And he's not just the third option. He's the third option on a team where the top two options are volume shooters. Tatum takes a ton of shots a game. Brown takes a ton of shots a game. So he would be fighting for scraps with them. Can they get a deal done? Sure. Marcus Smart, Aaron Naismith, and a couple of picks probably gets it done. Like, let's say one first, one second probably gets that done if no one has a better offer. I just don't see Jeremy liking the situation. And I just don't think the team is – you have those three wings and they're great, but you still don't have a point guard. Like, get a point guard nope. before you focus on Jeremy Grant. You don't have a healthy center. Focus on that. Let's move on from the Celtics because they're not going to be part of this. They were just rumored. The Pacers are rumored as well, but I don't want to talk about them because he's not going to accept the trade to a team. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for t- um, considering that the team is looking to go on full rebuild. Right, right. And the the players that they can trade, like unless they're including Chris Duarte in that trade, but why would you include Chris Duarte for, for Jeremy Grant? I'd take that if I was Detroit. I just don't think that the Pacers would do that. So let's talk about the Wolves. The Wolves have been on the pursuit of Ben Simmons for a long, long time. The report is that they've essentially offered everyone on the roster except for Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns for Ben Simmons, and the Sixers are just not interested. But a guy that's, I guess, technically worse than Simmons that could be had for other stuff, well, that's Jeremy Grant, baby. And I think that they could make that move. Here's the thing, though. If you're trading for Jeremy Grant, you have to give up your own wing who has been playing fantastic defense all season long, even if he's not scoring or shooting the ball all that well. I know that you're trying to win now, but are you really ready to trade Jared Vanderbilt Vando for Jeremy Grant? Probably not, right? He's got a lot of potential. I will say, though, that if you are sold, on Jeremy Grant, and you want to go all in with, with the, uh, sorry, not, sorry not to cut you off, but like, would a guy like Jaden McDaniels be a part of that trade as well? Probably. I don't think that Jaden McDaniels in a pick gets it done for you with the current bidding war that's going on. I think Vanderbilt and let's say don't they uh, have, Reed, Nas Reed. Nas Reed sure is a big man. Let me look at the Timberwolves roster real quick because they've got um, some. Even, Jalen Noel, who's been great, you know. Mm. Jalen Noel, who's been really good. So let's say. I yeah, don't know about say, I don't I don't know about Malik Beasley. Maybe I don't know. Malik Beasley, they've been trying to trade. Apparently, I mean, he was the starting shooting guard in a team that didn't have Anthony Edwards. Now they have Anthony Edwards, and they're starting him. I think a contender. If you can't get Eric Gordon at the deadline, you should take a hard look at Malik Beasley, who brings a lot of the same things to yeah. the table. But I think that deal, unless it was a three-team deal that included sending some veterans to a third team, would include Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, and a pick, 
or even Leandro Bomaro, who is their rookie from Argentina, uh, who's been really interesting. I think he's going to be solid. Those Argentinian guards usually end up being something. Even Facu Campazzo, who doesn't have any any place in the league. He's playing decently for the Nuggets, but he wouldn't be on any other team in the NBA. I just wouldn't think. But I think Jalen Noel, Vanderbilt, and a pick, that gets you Jeremy Grant. And if you want your starting lineup to be D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jeremy Grant, and that's the issue. You really don't have a fourth. I mean, you can start Ant-Man at the third, three or, or Malik Beasley at the three. I mean, they're both 6'4". That's not a very tall front court. But if you can get Jeremy Grant in there, you can do some damage. I like the fit a lot. I just think that if you have to give up Vando, it's probably a neutral move in the short run just because you won't have a starting three or four in that in that sense unless you can land another guy. But I, I don't necessarily see that happening. Do you think that Grant – I mean, he would be the third option in Minnesota as well behind – even maybe the fourth behind D'Lo. I mean, D'Lo needs the ball in his hands. That's do you true. like the fit there or, or not? I would like it, but I don't I – like, you know, basically, you know – us going through like you know these trade scenarios of what Minnesota could give up. I don't know if Detroit will possibly say yes. I mean, they might say yes to it, but I don't know if they'll be fully committed to it. Honestly, but yeah. I feel like I, I personally feel like because honestly, people may not understand, but Minnesota's actually been pre- been pretty decent this year. I th- I, I believe they're in the playing um, playing position, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I think I think I think acquiring a guy like Jeremy Grant could possibly elevate their chances and really make them a playoff team. They're 22 and 23 of the record as of the recording of this podcast. They are ninth in the Western Conference. So like, they're right in, there with the Lakers, I think. Yeah, they're in the plan right now. And they'd like to make the playoffs because Minnesota don't be making the playoffs all that often. There's two more teams on this list. We're gonna cross off the Kings, though. I just don't want to talk about the Kings anymore. They're probably gonna make a ton of moves at the deadline. And when that happens or when the rumors heat up, we'll talk about them. But for right now, let's fucking move on. And let's finish up with the Bulls here. The Bulls have a connection to Jeremy as well. They've got three strong connections, according to Jake Fisher of Blazer Report. General Manager Mark Eversley overlapped with Grant in Philadelphia during the process. Head coach Billy Donovan coached Grant in Oklahoma City. And Arturis Karnasovas, who makes all the trades, he trades for all of them, was part of the Nuggets brain trust that acquired Grant. You'll remember that the Chicago Bulls hired him from Denver to be their president, basically. And Grant was one of the moves that they made when they traded for, when I mentioned at the beginning of this, they the Nuggets traded for Grant from OKC. Arturis was part of the team that decided to make that move. Really strong connections there. It's the number one team in the Eastern Conference. It's a team that should have too many mouths to me, feed, but somehow has figured it out. So they would have to add him to their roster, but I don't know. I think they're smart enough to just figure it out. And I think that the culture around that team is positive enough where he would have no issues. The point is, what would they put in the deal? But first, before we do that, Dre, how do you think about the fit in Chicago? Like, do you think he would be a good fit in Chicago? I think he'd be great. I think he'd be great too, honestly. And I know, I know we briefly discussed this in, uh, I think our previous episode, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I would honestly just love a, a Jeremy Grant, Patrick Williams swap. Like I feel like that would be enough. Obviously, obviously, um, Detroit might might just ask for more, but I just feel like you know both of those guys just you know swapping each other. I would, would honestly just be able to um, fit for both teams. I mean, obviously, Patrick Williams before the injury was ascending as a young stud, right? Um, and still, it's even with the injury, still has a lot of value in my opinion. And I feel like, and I, I just feel like he will be able to thrive in Detroit. 
and you know, obviously bringing in a guy like Jeremy Grant, who is obviously NBA playoff ready, who has who has some of that some of that experience. Because when when you look at this Bulls team, even though even though even though even though they are pretty good, it's like you know they still kind of lack playoff experience. Like Lonzo's never right. been to the playoffs. Zach Levine's never been to the playoffs. Um, Bruce has got a ring. Yeah, Caruso's has got a ring. Uh, Vucevic has only been to about one or two playoff appearances. Two of them, both losses in the first round. Yep. So there's not really a lot of playoff experience. Obviously, the um the one, obviously another one. Um, DeRose has been to a conference finals. Yeah. So that's so that's a little bit of an experience. But besides that, you know, bringing in a guy like Jeremy Grant who has been to multiple playoff appearances uh, appearances with OKC in Denver, I feel like I feel like, I feel like that I feel like that'll help him a lot. I agree, and it's a good point that they could add some more championship or playoff experience to that roster. I think that's I think that's underrated in terms of roster building, adding veterans that have been there before. I love the fit. I love the fit. The, the lineup would be assuming everything goes well. Lonzo, Levine, DeMar, Grant, Vooch. Lovely lineup. Small ball lineup of Lonzo... Caruso, Levine, DeMar, Grant, which is unstoppable on offense and has a lot of defense packed on the perimeter with Jeremy, Caruso, and Lonzo. Can they survive in the paint with that lineup? I'm not sure. But at the same time, can people keep up with them on offense? We'll see. I think that would be an important thing to add to their roster, a guy that could play that small five in like really small lineups. And like you said, Pat Will, if I'm Detroit and I'm trading – Jeremy Grant, I need two things. I need picks, and that young player that you're talking about, he needs to be a wing. I don't want a guard. I don't want a wing, a big. I don't want Mitchell Robinson. I don't want Emmanuel quickly. Okay. We've got guys like that. We got Killian Hayes. We got Beef Stew. All right. Yeah. You can never have enough wings. And that's why if you're going to trade a two way wing that's not young or that's not old, but like Jeremy Grant, he's 27. You need to get a wing back because those are not easy commodities. And the best wing that you can probably get in any of these deals is Pat Will, the paw, who is out for most of the, if not the rest of the season with a fractured wrist. Not mm-hmm. unlike Alex Caruso's, but obviously to a greater extent if he is going to miss most of the season. But if you can get a guy that can defend like Pat Will and is, you know, basically missed his second year, he's basically still a rookie, you know. That's what you do. I don't think it's enough, though. I think they have to include a first-rounder. And Chicago doesn't have a ton of first-rounders. You'll remember they sent two for Nikola Vucevic last year and then one for Lonzo Ball in the offseason this year. So that's three trades, uh, three picks traded. Unfortunately, to get this deal done, if you can't find a first-rounder somewhere, I think you got to include Io. And that's going to be hard for yeah. Chicago to do. That's hard for Chicago to do. I still think you do it if you know that Lonzo and Caruso are going to be healthy for the playoffs. How about I, um, how about a guy like Derrick Jones Jr.? They don't care about Jones. Ohio. They don't care about Jones. <laughs> if it was a playoff team, sure. Derrick Jones Jr. is great. Troy yeah. Brown Jr. has has is younger and could have some things. I just think that without a first rounder, it has to be Io in there too. Let's take a quick look at Chicago's. Um, roster. I don't think there's going to be many more guys on there. I don't think they care about Javante Green. Troy Brown Jr., like we said, that's pretty much it. If they can send a first, I think they'd rather send out a first that's going to be in the late first round. They're the number one team in the East right now. I mean, I guess you could include Kobe. Like, would you rather trade Kobe than than Io? Yes. 
Okay. Oh, I don't think they, they would care about Kobe, but you can trade Kobe for stuff. You can't really trade Derek Jones Jr. for right. stuff at this point. And I know, honestly, I know I know people might hate me for actually saying that because Kobe White is a tremendous player. But, He's been great this season, too. Right? Yeah, He's actually exactly. found his stride. Definitely. But the fact that Io can really do it on both ends of the floor, I feel like that, that puts him on a different level compared to Kobe. And he's learning from guys like Lonzo and Caruso, and his defense mm-hmm. is only going to get better for that. I think a lot of teams missed on Io in, in the draft. I would have loved him on the Bucks. You know, a backup point guard like that would be. I I wouldn't start him, but I would close with Io. Like him and Drew on the perimeter would be so hard oh, yeah. to score on, especially if you've got Wes Matthews. Who pray to Wes Matthews? I don't think he's even getting an MRI. I think it's fine. Like I think his knee injury from the other night is going to be okay. He doesn't need an MRI or anything, but. Those three dudes would be unstoppable. Or not even unstoppable. They would be unstoppables. Like they would stop other people. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But yeah, I don't think they would trade I am with Pat Will. I think that's too much young assets to trade for a guy. But if they can get Jeremy Grant with Pat Will and a guy like Kobe or a first round pick that they have available for trade, I'd do it. Because you're Chicago. You haven't been in this position since the Rose years, and even then it was LeBron's time. The East is open to some extent, but yep. you have you have to beat Brooklyn, Miami, Milwaukee, probably two of those teams, or just one if you have the one seed like you do even now. Honestly, um, I know, I know, I know people don't want to include them, but Philly's still up there too. Philly is too, but I would never trust them in the playoffs. Honestly, I just don't think that they would ever. ever yes, they, they 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 have Doc Rivers. They have Doc Rivers. And listen, a team like Chicago doesn't have size. I've seen him be destroyed. I mean, Vooch, whenever Vooch goes against another elite big, he usually just gets torched just because his game isn't two-way, you know? Most of the elite elite bigs are two-way. Giannis, Joel Embiid, Nikola, Juk- uh, Nikola Jokic, a lot of those dudes play both ways or are just legendary on one of the floor. Vooch is a damn good offensive player. Damn good. Like, top – 11 starting centers in the league, I would say, at least offensively. Offensively, he's top eight, probably, uh, centers in the league. And the defense isn't terrible. He is a great rebounder, which is an underrated aspect of defense. And he can challenge at the rim to some extent. But he's not a switch big. He's not really a, a sophisticated defensive scheme big either. And that usually plays him when he plays an Embiid or a Giannis. He just gets played with. If you go up against a team like that, you're going to have to have firepower. And Jeremy Grant is firepower. You need to load up on that if you're going to win this Eastern Conference. You don't want to be Philly last year, getting the number one seed in the East and losing to the fucking Hawks. The Hawks in the semis. You know, people want to make fun of the Bucks because they got to beat the Hawks in the finals. Well, the Sixers, the number one seed in the East, lost to the Hawks, who aren't even in the play-in right now. They're like 12th, 12th in the yeah, East. They had Ben Simmons. Yeah. And they had they had been too. Uh, by the way, Atlanta they aren't rum- rumored in any of this, but they should probably take a look at Jeremy Grant. He'd be a great, <laughs> great, great player. Ooh, I mean, Jeremy Grant, Collins swap maybe. I could see it. I don't think they would particularly care about Collins, but if you get, let's say, uh, you know, the Charlotte pick that they got from the Cam Reddish deal. Yeah, they send that, and they could send out Jalen Johnson. Yeah, they could send out Jalen Johnson and that pick. And then if you send Collins to a team like Charlotte or another team that wants a big and get a pick or two for Collins, you can send to Jeremy Grant. Like Jalen Johnson and three picks probably gets you Jeremy Grant because they don't care about Jalen Johnson. 
right. that probably gets you. Or, or, or what's his name? Sharif. Maybe Sharif. I like Sharif. He's on a two-way, by the way. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought is, he would yeah. be on a four. But uh, Jalen Johnson and several picks can get you Jeremy Grant. And I think that that could be the deal because Jeremy Grant is – not necessarily better than John Collins. He is better than John Collins, but he also brings different things to the table. He shoots and defends. he defends. The issue, though, is John Collins is frustrated with his role in Atlanta. His touches and usage rate have gone down for three straight seasons. Do you think Jeremy Grant's going to have the same issues with that? Yes, because yep. that's the issues that he talks about. So as much as I think it's a great – it's a, it's a home run move for Atlanta, in my opinion, I just don't think he'd be happy there unless they're willing to give him touches. If you're willing to give him touches, why wouldn't you be willing to give Collins touches? It's very strange to me. What, what led us to Atlanta? I think it was just the Bulls. Yeah. And about wraps this up. Jeremy Grant's probably going to get moved. There is a there's a situation here where Detroit stands pat. I just don't think with the amount of buyers out there that the bidding war is going to get to the point where they have no choice but to trade it. With the amount of offers, amount of things that are going to be the offer, unless everyone gets cold feet, which I don't think is going to happen, Jeremy Grant is going to be on the move this trade deadline. Nice. Keep an eye out for that because it's going to be exciting. He's probably the best player that's going to be dealt at the deadline and. For good reason, like it's not like a like he's not a superstar, sure, but he's an all-star caliber player, in my opinion. That in in a winning situation would get an all-star, and if you have a chance to get a player like that without giving up the whole of your team, like a lot of these teams can, you have to do it. Keep an eye out for movement from Detroit because it looks like they're open for business, and a lot of teams are going to be. We're going to be covering trades and everything for the rest of this year or the rest of this month until the trade deadline. But that's going to wrap us up for now. Strictly on Jeremy Grant. Hopefully what we talked about resonates with you guys and plays out the way that we think it will. Any last thoughts on Grant before we conclude the Padre? February 10th. Um, other teams better be ready. They better be ready for their uh, assets, the picks, everything you can for a guy like Jeremy Grant, because every team, I think every team that we probably mentioned, like, Jeremy Grant himself can elevate their chances, whether you're already a championship team, whether you're, you know, in that playing situation, like he right. can elevate your team. So teams better be ready to try, try to bring him into their uh, franchise. It's important to know that it will not happen until the deadline. If there truly is a dozen or so teams trying to get him, Detroit is going to play their leverage until the deadline and get the best offer because teams are going to get desperate at that deadline. So yeah. don't expect a deal in the next week or two. It will be at the deadline. That's, That's going to be about to wrap us up here. We're going to get into the plug zone, though. Dre, what's up with you next? Is there anything you know you want to plug the Patreon? Is there stuff coming on the Patreon? What are you working on right now that you want people to check out? We're going on a lot of things, obviously. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Just sure. put out a decent article on there on on a uh, um, college point guy named Yuri Collins. Make sure to check that out, but. Besides that, man, I mean, you know, I'm just always freelancing and everything. So whatever comes to mind, you know, it'll be out there soon. Keep an eye out. It's at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. Whatever he puts out there is going to be on his Twitter. So go give him a follow so you can stay up to date on NBA, G League, WNBA. All that shit is always what Dre is covering. On my end, I have a recent article on the top five playoff hopefuls that should be buyers at the trade deadline on Sir Charles in charge came out yesterday. I think go give it a read. If you don't mind, give me a couple of clicks. That'd be nice. And something that we're going to be starting. That's new. It's only on my end, but in the next month or so, I want to do something with me and Dre that we share our favorite pod. 
article and video that we consumed over the past week to sort of show that what we're consuming, but also give a little bit of light to other people. So first, before I get into it, make sure to check out Jake Fisher's article on Bleach Report on the Jeremy Grant situation. It talks a lot about what we talked about on this pod. The link will be in the show description. My favorite podcast of the week was from Spinsters. They do two episodes a week. Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins are the uh, hosts of that podcast. But the Tuesday episode, they do journalism on Tuesdays and then like just talk about the NBA weekly on Thursdays. On Tuesday, they had an episode called What Happened to the Eccentric Jersey with Alex Wong. And it really dives into those beautiful 90s jerseys that we all love, like the Big Hawk, the Big Deer, the Nuggets rainbow jerseys, how they became to be designed and why we're not seeing that anymore now. Really interesting podcast, only about 40 to 50 minutes. The link will be in the show notes. Check it out if you can. My favorite article of the week comes from Stephen No, who does a weekly Hidden Gems uh, series on sporting news. This week, we've mentioned him a couple times, was on Jared Vanderbilt. I haven't been able to watch as much of Minnesota as I would want or even care to this season, but I keep hearing about Vando, Jared Vanderbilt, and his ascension this season, thinking basketball is talking about him. Everyone's talking about him. That is a short article on what he's doing this season. The link will be in the description. Please check that out and support Steven because it's a great article and a great series. And my favorite video of the week, Kevin O'Connor, who works for The Ringer, does a series called The Void on their YouTube channel where he breaks down players' games, fits what they're doing lately the latest void uh, video is on russell westbrook and why he needs to fit in not out classic lebron quote that he uses in that video and he actually points out a lot of good stuff that russ could be doing that he's not that would make him fit better with the lakers and you know propel them forward as a team if you've given up on russ on the lakers i encourage you to give that a, a listen or a watch and See if you agree with him, because there might be things that you haven't considered with Russ, like I did when I watched that video. Those are my favorites of the week. There's a lot more that I checked out this week, but I don't want to just read a list of things to you guys. You can guys can tw- uh, follow me at underscore Guccifer. That's Lucifer with a G on Twitter. And keep an eye out for big stuff from this podcast. We are going to be... You'll see it on Twitter. We'll be releasing logos soon and then a trailer after that. And then by the trade deadline, you guys will see where this podcast is going. Dre, you want to sign us off? Any last words? Uh, just look out for things big. Um, you know, we just we got things kicking off in January, February. We're just really going to take off. It's coming, baby. It's coming. It's coming. Be ready for it. Thank you for tuning in for another week. We will see you next week.